0: Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, dissecting issues, news, politi- politics and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website and, ch- and sign up for my emails. And I'm the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Be sure and like and follow me. I am thrilled to have on the line with me two moms who care deeply about ch- our children, as I do. And that is Heather Ladenpara and uh, Pam Long. Heather, am I pronouncing your last name correctly?
1: Yes, you are.
0: Yay. <laughs> All right. Okay, good. Heather and Pam, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you on the line. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's set this up just a little bit. Um, Pam, how about you? Let's go to you first. Uh, this is a, a piece of legislation that was introduced last Thursday uh, down at the State House. It is House Bill 19, and I would recommend that people go read all these things instead of just listening to the talking heads on this. Read this. This is, I don't know, it's about 10 pages long. uh, But it's House Bill 19. That's uh, this year, 2019. HB originated out of the House, and the number is 1312. You are concerned about this, Pam Long. Tell me why.
2: Yes, I am. First of all, I'm a I'm an Army veteran, and I'm also a mom, and I have a kiddo who had a has a severe lifelong reaction to a vaccine. So I'm a very critical consumer of every each and one of those 72 doses on the schedule in 2019. So, what's going on with this bill? So, if you as a parent decide to give your child all 72 doses on the current CDC schedule, nothing changed for you. Um, But if you use a personal belief exemption or a religious exemption for any of those 72 doses, you are now in a different class of citizens under this bill. There's three main components. The first one is that CDPAT, the health department, will be creating a new form. And this form tried, they attempted this to create this statewide form back in uh, 2016, under House Bill 1164. And this bill failed due to massive parental backlash. And what the problem was this form included compelled speech saying that the parent was putting the child at risk and the public at risk and a massive data mining effort of personal uh, identifying information into a registry. And when you hear registry, I, I just need you to know that any, any registry is designed to harass, coerce, and intimidate a person from their personal medical choices. And what they call these under the SIS, which is the Colorado Immunization Information System, is reminder, recall, home visits, which includes CPS coming to your home and asking you if you'd like to reconsider. Yes, so reminder, recall, home visits is serious things that are designed to harass and coerce and intimidate a parent who has made a very difficult decision to exempt from any one of these vaccines. The second component of this bill is the creation of educational materials in what we call re-education. The parent has decided one vaccine has more risk than benefit and the state says you must receive this educational module from your doctor or the state that is benefit only. And it even says that in the bill, only benefits. There's no risk information as per the manufacturer product information sheet, which has a lengthy list of contraindications but the third new component, when that failed back in 2014 as well, in the House Bill 1288, again, parental backlash. Um, and now we have a new component, which is deeply disturbing to both children and adults, that this new controversy is with medical exemptions. CDPG, not your doctor, will be the new dictator of what qualifies for a medical exemption. And they will be using the ASIB, which is the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, um, very narrow criteria that states that you had to have had a previous anaphylactic reaction or a severe immune compromised individual. Well, there's actually a lengthy list of contraindications to vaccination under our screening sheets that doctors use. So we're, we're really interfering with the patient-doctor relationship and in, in, in dismissing things that are contraindications, such as asthma, allergies, seizures, metabolic disease, none of those will qualify for a medical exemption.
0: Okay. Wow, Pam. Uh, I read the bill last night and there were things that I, they were, it was like raising a flag to me, but, but I thought I need to ask you ladies about this. But one of the things, at least that I saw in here, Pam, was that if a parent wanted to re- request an exemption, that they had to do it in person. And this is on page 7. The bill's about 10 pages long. But what it says here is that if um, the certificate of a religious or personal belief exemption on a standardized form developed by the Department of Public Health and Environment and submit the certificate of a religious or personal belief exemption in person to the Department of Public Health and Environment or the applicable county district or municipal health agency... That makes it pretty daunting for people to try to get an exemption. I think I, I, that seemed important to me. What do you think, Pam?
2: Well, it's definitely a barrier. You're, you're, you know, if you come from the western slope or our rural areas and you have to drive in to the, you know, Denver in person to say, "Mother, may I please ex- execute a lawful exemption?" That they're going to use. Other states have used that to. Um, at that time you would be asked to watch some type of educational video on all the benefits of vaccines and what will be shown at that time are pictures of kids from third world countries who do not have sanitation, they are dying of malnutrition and you will be told your child has the same risk so you must get every vaccine on the schedule. So that's That when you make a parent come into the Central State Health Department, it's so that they can be forced to watch a very one-sided video with all the benefits and a lot of um, fear-mongering to coerce the choice to be yes.
0: Okay, and um, I'm just going to make a comment here on this, and that is uh, that you just mentioned third-world countries, and... It, the the rhetoric is not matching up with the policies when you look at the players uh, from what i can tell there's only one republican and that is senator priola is on the senate he's one of the senate sponsors but from what i can tell uh, there's no other quote unquote bipartisan uh, support of this. And so I'm I'm trying to match up the rhetoric and the policies as we look at the big picture. So, you know, many of these folks are are pushing that Colorado be a sanctuary state, that Denver be a sanctuary city for illegals that are coming across the border. And and you mentioned third world countries. We're, we're starting to see an increase in mumps. Uh, some, uh, in fact, in these detention centers, there's a, a number of cases of mumps. So the question that's coming to me is, is we have these folks that say we are going to make mandatory vaccinations. And, uh, Heather, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, I want you to address th- this. And that is, from what I can read, this bureau that you mentioned, Pam, I, uh, uh, the, like the, immun- what is it called, the immunization board. They can, actually, yes. yeah, they can actually increase, they, they can mandate other vaccinations as well that we don't even know about yet. So here we, they're saying we want to protect our kids, we're going to do this mandatory vaccination, and, and I vaccinated my kids, I think it's important, and Heather, you and I are going to talk about free riders as well, but yet there seems to be no problem about bringing all these these uh, people across the border that don't have vaccinations. It's like the narratives just aren't matching up to me. Uh, but we're not going to talk about the border right now. I just had to make that point. But, Heather, uh, we're going to go to break because I want to hear what you have to say. We've, we've talked several times, and I know that this is heavy on your heart regarding these mandatory vaccinations. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about free riders, and that is everybody... But maybe just a small percentage of parents get their kids vaccinated. You know, a lot of people th- say that that doesn't seem fair. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Uh, I am thrilled to have on the line with me Heather Ladenpara. Erladen Pera and Pam Long, uh, their moms, they're, they're all over. They're watching this House Bill 1913 12, the mandatory vaccinations. And uh, Pam, thank you so much for explaining this whole new thing. Uh, you know, I, I um, vaccinated my kids. You know, there were the basics, the MMR, the measles, mumps, and rubella, DPT. Let's see, that's diphtheria. diphtheria uh, pertussis, I think, and tetanus, I think. You know, so there were, and then polio. There were those basics. But you mentioned there's now 72 doses, and uh, uh, there's all kinds of things that they're recommending vaccinations for. And and uh, Heather, I want to talk about the free riders, but I know that one of the things that you're concerned about is the safety of these vaccinations. Some of these things haven't been tested yet that for that long.
1: That's right, and so. I think it's important to put this in context, Kim. So when you were, when your kids were young, there were a total of 11 shots. When we talk about doses or shots, doses are the different diseases, and then the shots are the actual shots. So I'm going to talk about the shots. There's a, there were 11 actual shots by the time your child graduated high school on the recommended schedule. Now we have 53 shots on the recommended schedule. Why did that happen? That happened because in the 1970s and 80s, there were many children being harmed by different vaccines, but specifically the DTP vaccine. My brother was actually permanently brain damaged from the DPT vaccine, and he died at 21. So never walked or talked a lot of parents realized what was happening to their children. They started suing the pharmaceutical companies. The pharmaceutical companies said to the government, we're going to stop manufacturing vaccines because it's too expensive for us because we have so many lawsuits. So in 1986, the government passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And what this act did is it took away the liability from the pharmaceutical companies. So they no longer have any liability for the vaccines that they test. They have no incentive to do safety testing. And if a child or an adult is harmed by a vaccine, the pharmaceutical companies no longer have to go to court. You can no longer sue a pharmaceutical company. They don't have to pay it who pays is we, the taxpayers. Every time, you buy, every time you buy a vaccination, there's a portion of that vac- vaccination that goes to what's called the Vaccine Injury Court. That's a federal court. It's presided over by one person who makes a decision if your injury claim is valid or not. And so we have the government defending vaccines. We also... The the act also put the Health and Human Services in charge of the safety of vaccines. There was a recent lawsuit by an organization called ICANN. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is part of that and a man named Del Bigtree. And they sued HHS for information on this National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act and how they had done their job since it. They were supposed to do uh, every two years submit a report to Congress on the state of vaccine safety. And through this lawsuit, it was found that they have never once done that. Since 1986, over 30 years, they have ignored their job of reporting on vaccine safety. The government doesn't have an incentive to do safety testing. The pharmaceutical companies don't have an incentive to do safety testing. And vaccines are categorized not as drugs they are categorized as biologics. And that's a remnant from the CDC is actually a a military branch. And when vaccines were first being developed, they wanted a way to fast track them in case they needed to be used in a case of biological warfare or, or similar such thing. So vaccines don't go through the lengthy trials that drugs do. Drugs go through trials that are years long. They have control groups that have a true placebo, meaning that one group gets the drug, the other group gets an inert pill, a sugar pill, something that will do absolutely nothing. Uh, Vaccines are not tested that way. Often the testing period is days, the reaction period, and it's not tested against a true placebo. That's a little complicated for me to explain. I can if you want, but the placebo that they give with with the in most of these vaccine trials, is the vaccine minus the um, virus or bacteria? So, all of the other ingredients are given as the placebo. That's not a true placebo. A true placebo would be a saline injection, and so they're comparing reactions between the vaccine and then the vaccine just minus those ingredients. So it's not a true trial. They've never tested this schedule for cumulative effects, and they've never tested it for drug interactions. So when your child, many children go in and they get eight shots at once. It's never been tested for drug interactions. So I'm passionate about this because I used exemptions for my children so that I could do one at a time, never have to get more than in one visit. And that means that the schedule for my kids was very delayed.
0: And... Um, but you were able to work with your doctor on that. This was yes. something that you sat down and talked with your doctor about. Yes. And, and uh, I, I'm pro-vaccination. I, I, I think, you know, I mean, we eradicated basically polio because of that. So I think vaccinations are very important. But I, as Stephen mentioned in Laura Carno's book, Government Ruins near, Nearly Everything, you can take a good idea and you start adding in mandatory, which starts to, what I hear you're saying, when she, once you say mandatory, you no longer have your free market where where people are saying, now, wait a minute, I want to make sure that this is safe for my kids. I want to be assured that, you know, we've done the testing. And and when you introduce mandatory, and then this unelected board that can make mm-hmm. the decisions and force what goes into your kids, yeah. to me, that's the kind of stuff that says danger, danger, danger. Um, Pam, which, right. which one of you would like to, I'd, I'd like to address this question, though, of free riders. I have a lot of folks that say, you know, I, I get my kids vaccinated. Um, you know, there's that 5% out there that's not going to. I mean, people are, are I, they're, kind, they're like, I don't want those kids in my kids' school because, you know, they might be bringing something in. How would you address that? Which one of you would like to take that question, Pam or Heather? Pam, why
1: don't you take that?
2: Well, you know, I have a child who has a reaction to a vaccine and he, now he has a lifelong disability. And I would tell that parent, you know, it's of families are using exemptions, Um, and they've always been among us. Um, And and I would say nearly 100% of adults are not getting their booster shots every 10 years. So they are also unvaccinated and living among us and working among us in public places, the park, the grocery store, the community pool. And there's, there's no risk. There's no outbreak. You know, measles, this whole measles hype, measles is endemic. Measles is always going to be with us, multiple strains. We only vaccinate against one strain. And oftentimes there's vaccine failure involved. You can read and the CDC will tell you that their own website that many times in in these alleged outbreaks where there's a few cases, anywhere up to 600 cases a year is normal. And sometimes vaccine failure is involved where the people were vaccinated and they still have measles. Um, And I would say also that it's to tell a parent that, you know, I'm taking advantage and have some benefit by not vaccinating my child, then inherently you are you are telling me there is a risk you are willing to take and there is a risk I am not willing to take is what you're really saying.
0: Okay, well, ladies, this has been fascinating, and uh, we're just about out of time on on this. But, uh, you know, I do believe in vaccinations, but I, I think that we need to be able to hold – you know, hold those decisions accountable, it makes us better. And when you add in this mandatory and take away the ability for the parent and the patient to talk with the doctor... That's not where we we need to be. We need to to continue to work to make sure that our vaccinations are safe. We want to protect our kids. And the narratives just aren't matching up with the people that are pushing mandatory vaccination with all the other policies that we're doing. Now, ladies, I think this is going to be in committee tomorrow. Last time uh, something like this was in in committee, there were tons of people that showed up. What are you asking people to do right now? Uh, Heather or Pam, which one do you want to take? Heather, you want to take that?
1: Sure. Um, we're asking people who believe in the choice of for your children to decide what health decisions you make for them and eventually for yourself because if this starts happening for children, it's going to start happening for adults as well. And I believe it's my choice to decide what is injected into my body, what is injected into my child's body, at what schedule, is appropriate for me or my child in any medical procedure. I believe in informed consent and choice. And if there are parents or individuals out there who also believe in that, then they should show up at the Capitol tomorrow at 1:30 to um, the Health and Insurance Committee to voice their opinion on this. Um, this is we'll be there really all night. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you probably will come yeah. any time <laughs> Br- bring a lunch right <laughs> exactly you know and and i've been down to, to testify and and um it it is important if you can't make it certainly reach out to the members of the that particular committee uh and you know just you mentioned something you know the the whole uh, the whole abortion uh movement says uh my body my decision my choice uh, but yet, these are the same folks that are saying, "No, not here. We're going to have mandatory." So, you know, their narratives just don't match up. No. Uh, ladies, I I really appreciate this conversation. I think that we should probably have another one because uh, yes. I, I I think we need to do that. So we'll get you to... a lot more information. There's Pam. a <laughs> lot more information out there, and I've had a number of moms that have reached out to me on this. So, Heather Ladenpara, thank you so much. Pam Long, thanks so much. Keep me informed on what's happening tomorrow. Okay, just text me and let me know what's going on. We will. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Our quote for today, Ronald Reagan, he said, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same.